0: Welcome to the official podcast for the Society of Urodynamics, Female Pelvic Medicine, and Urogenital Reconstruction. Here, you will find podcasts highlighting clinically relevant topics, ongoing SUFU initiatives, SUFU member highlights, and much, much more. Welcome back to the SUFU podcast. We're here doing our FPMRS fellowship series, and I'm here with Dr. Quentin Clements from the University of Michigan FPMRS fellowship program. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So, I'd love if you could tell us a little bit about your fellowship.
1: Sure. So, we uh, have a urology and a gynecology fellowship in FPMRS at Michigan, and so I'm here representing the uh, urology fellowship. Uh, we uh, only accept uh, the graduates of urology residencies, the uh, gynecology fellowship accepts graduates of OB-GYN residencies. So our fellowship is two years in length, uh, although we also offer um, a three-year option uh, instead. And so uh, when people interview and then ultimately match, they ultimately just have to choose do they want to do the two- or three-year, the um, the three-year program includes a one clinical year and two research years. Um, those research years are funded by an NIH training grant uh, and includes a master's degree uh, as part of that and then, you know, focused research um, on health services uh, applications. Uh, it's certainly not at all required as part of our fellowship. Uh, The standard is the two-year program, but we feel that it's nice to offer a more focused research experience for certain candidates as well.
0: Yeah, that's a great experience. Um, Tell me a little bit about the faculty that the the fellows work with.
1: Well, we have uh, six faculty in um, urology and six in neuroguides. They work with both, Um, and that includes uh, faculty in uh, male reconstruction, so GURS, uh, fellowship-trained Uh, urology faculty uh, that includes, of course, female urology uh, faculty and then um, urogynecology faculty. And uh, the fellows in urology um, each spend uh, three months a year on the urogynecology uh, service. So that's three months times two, so a total of six months throughout the uh, fellowship. So a good bit of time there, and it's an excellent experience for them.
0: That's great. And then what would you say, how would you say their, uh, their schedules are broken down during the two years?
1: So the way we do it is we do not have dedicated research time for a period of months, but rather the schedule is set up with uh, each day, uh, it might be in the clinic or in the OR, and the schedule might say you know OR in the morning and uh, let's say a research in the afternoon, and it certainly has half-time research in that regard. Uh, Some of the days where they are scheduled to have half a day of research, they may not have as much time for that because the OR might be more busy. On the other hand, uh, there are certain days where they might be scheduled in the OR and uh, the surgeries that are going on are more at resident level or uh, the faculty uh, may not be operating that day and so they end up having um, time to do research, but it's not uh, separated into, uh, you know, chunks over a period of months, and that is really more in line with how academic practice is in general, and uh, the fellows have um, that we've matched have enjoyed that, and I think it gives them more flexibility and doesn't create concerns that if there's a good case going on that they might not be able to do it because they're on a, quote, research uh, block, so, yeah. so it worked out pretty well.
0: Great. And then, do you feel, if you had to divide up the fellowship in in terms of exposure to vaginal surgery, robotic surgery, neuro um, do you feel uh, was one more dominant, or...?
1: Uh, I think if you ask our graduates, they'd say it really covers the entire spectrum. Um, I'd say we certainly have a reputation for strength in neurourology and complex abdominal reconstruction, but uh, that doesn't mean we overlook uh, robotic surgery or prolapse, uh, vaginal surgery, etc. So, and I think that's also reflected in the types of practices our graduating fellows have. We have some that are doing vaginal hysterectomies. We have others that are focusing almost entirely on, uh, you know, uretal reimplantation and complex redo abdominal surgery. So I like to think that the exposure sets people up to uh, ultimately have a practice uh, whatever they'd like, and it's not limited by the training.
0: And where have your graduating fellows gone for practice?
1: We have a variety of, um, a variety of locations, uh, ranging from private practice in Mississippi to um, faculty at UC San Diego, UC San Francisco, University of Utah. Medical University of South Carolina, um, University of Michigan, um, private practice in South Carolina. So it's really been all over. I do think it's fair to say that they have all uh, ultimately gotten their first choice position. So I think where they've ended up has been based on where they want to rather than um, where they've had to.
0: That's great. And uh, back to the, the clinical time. As far as the clinic, do the fellows have an opportunity to run their own clinic, or are they working with you directly?
1: Well, since it's an ACGME fellowship, the rules, at least at our institution, don't allow the trainees to have their own patients. Uh, And so when they're in clinic, they're with us. Now, we certainly give them a lot of leeway, and um, much of the time, I just feel I go in and say, hi, we have a good plan in place, do you have any questions, and then Usually there aren't many. Now, if um, someone chooses the three-year option, that third year they are a lecturer, so they now are a faculty member, and during that year they do have clinic on their own one day, one half day a week, and then they are given half day a week to operate uh, as well based on the cases they get from clinics. So in that case, they do have independent time.
0: That's great. And then for those who do the two years, what kind of requirements do you have for scholarly activity or research?
1: We don't have anything that I would say is uh, fixed in terms of number of papers. Um, We expect productivity. We expect people to uh, be excited about research, to think of some of their own ideas, and to also follow through on the ideas we have. It's not really been an issue. I mean, I think we we expect that they'll attend SUFU and the AUA every year. And um, you know, when the new fellows come in, the SUFU deadline is a few weeks away. So that one's not really feasible. But for the other meetings, we expect that they'll have submitted and likely have abstracts accepted. And then uh, we really think that if they have an abstract accepted, that that should turn into a manuscript. And so we haven't had to set rules because, you know, we've been very happy with the productivity that people have had and we also understand that sometimes projects don't work out as well as others and so um, what we're looking for is a good faith effort.
0: That's great. And uh, what do you think your biggest strength is as a fellowship?
1: I would say probably, as I mentioned, the really comprehensive um, exposure to all aspects of the field, including male reconstruction um, I'm generally a lumper instead of a splitter, and I think the idea that we have trainees who can learn how to do uh, certain urethroplasties and be exposed to, you know, male voiding dysfunction as well as neurogenic bladder and prolapse, and you know, female stress incontinence, etc., um, really is the way to best train people. So I'd say that's probably the, the main strength.
0: Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. Um, is there anything that is actively changing in the program or you foresee changing in the future?
1: We have uh, hired a second GURS male reconstruction person, so they'll be folded into the fellowship. Um, I think it's likely with that happening that there eventually will be a GURS fellowship, but that will focus more on uh, things like you know, penile prostheses and some other aspects of GURS um, type of uh, procedures that are not as applicable to FPMRS and our fellowship. So I don't see the specific uh, content of the fellowship um, really changing um, much at all. Uh, but, you know, we're expanding. I think the other thing that's happening everywhere is we have more satellite centers. So I think our fellows will uh, be uh, participating more in, in ambulatory surgery setting whereas uh, until now, the focus has been largely at the main university hospital. But you know, that doesn't work very well for starting to offload many of our surgeries elsewhere. So that's a, a change, and I think that's a change that's happening everywhere.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, so what? lastly, what's it like to live in Ann Arbor for those who haven't been?
1: I think everyone who has come, even the guy from Mississippi, really liked it. Um, <laughs> now, his wife was ready to move back warm after a few years, but um, you know it's cold in the in the winter. Um, but having said that, the summers are beautiful, the falls are beautiful, and it's a college town. It has a lot to offer in terms of restaurants. It also is a very a place that's very easy to live. Um, you can get out into the country very easily, but there's also Detroit nearby for concerts and sporting events. And what a lot of people don't know is that the Detroit airport, which is a hub for Delta, is closer to Ann Arbor than it is to Detroit. And so, uh, in terms of travel, um, it's very convenient. And so, I'm a big fan. I think it's an extremely livable uh, place and a great place to spend, you know, at least a couple years for a, for a fellowship.
0: Well, great. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode on the SuFu Podcast. Be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast streaming app. We're available on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and SoundCloud. Follow us on Twitter with our handle, at SuFuOrg, where we'll provide real-time updates of our next podcast episode launch. And be sure to check us out on our website, www.sufuorg.com.